atmosphere is important. When a man knows he's going to propose to <clears throat> hopefully his wife-to-be, hopefully he wants to create a, a moment in an atmosphere and in that moment to ask the most important question of their life. Hopefully to get the right answer. Atmosphere is important. You know, if you take a fish out of the aquarium or you take a fish out of the ocean or sea and you throw it up on the dry land and it just lays there and it just flops and you say, well, that thing's just a total idiot. But I'll tell you what, if you pick it up real quick and put it back in the water, you'll see its genius come out of it. Because it needs an atmosphere to be able to maneuver and do what it does the way it was created. God's always present everywhere, but he's not always manifesting. But he's everywhere. In this room, in this room is frequency of airwaves, television, radio, otherwise, but you can't see them. But they're here, but you would have to turn in and have to have a receiver and tune into that frequency to what's being broadcasted to know what's being said or sung or what's happening on that channel. God's here. And he's not egotistical in the sense that he needs us to do a bunch of stuff. He's not waiting for us to play his favorite song so he can come down and do some things that we hope that he would do. <clears throat> he has a pretty good praise and worship department right there in heaven, believe it or not. But the Bible says he inhabits the praises of the people. So more than anything else, whether we hit the right note or the chord of the song, what he's really looking at more than anything is he's looking at our heart. You know, the, the scripture never said, give me your head. It said, give me your, your heart. And there's just something that God can't seem to resist. It's someone on this earth. Someone whose whole focus and attention, their whole purpose of being, is just to communicate and to love and to adore and to praise his name. You know, you're going to be doing this, if, and I hope you're going to heaven. You are going, right? Right? Anyone determined to go to hell? So I'm, the, the whole plan of my life is to bust hell wide open and spend eternity there. Nobody. That's good. So our whole, our whole eternity, we're going to be in the presence of God. In, in His presence. And there'll come a time when you come to heaven where you, you will meet Jesus. You won't meet Him through me. You can't say, this is my pastor. I won't be in this conversation. It'll just be you and the one who gave his life for you. And he'll look to you directly in the eyes and you'll see him. And anyone who ever saw him and had a vision came back talking about it said, how would you describe his eyes? And everyone always said, like liquid wells of love. They didn't talk about the shape so much. They didn't talk about the color of the eyes. They didn't give natural characteristics. What they talked about, it, he was weak. He was uh, very deep wells of love and it was flowing. And he could see right through me as if I felt like he could look, look for miles and miles and miles and see me in such a way. And so he's here. And he loves to manifest himself. He loves to manifest himself. But he's here right now. All you got to do is just kind of turn into frequency. Tune into that frequency. Turn into the G-O-D channel. Turn into the God channel. Hallelujah. And just begin to acknowledge that he's here. If he really was here. As we say he's here. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If he's here, based on the evidence that I have when he was here in the flesh, all type of situations would be going on. Sometimes he'd preach and then he'd heal. And as soon as you thought you understood the pattern of how he's going to do it, he'd flip on you. And then he'd heal. And then he might teach. Or then you come and you get your, your Bible study ready. He said, let's cook fish. Or he'd sit down with one of the worst singers that there was. And the smart people in the room would say, if he was really who they say he was, he wouldn't be talking to that person. That was always the smart people. I bet I guess Jesus wasn't as smart as them. He wasn't sure who was holding the clergy papers and who wasn't. When they let the man down through the roof, he said, man, your sins be forgiven you. And the doctors of the law, the Pharisees that were there, they said, that's blasphemy. Who has the power on earth to forgive sins? No one does but God. Jesus said, so that you know that I have power on earth to forgive sins. I said, rise, take up your bed and walk. He said, I could have said either one. Either one was easy for me. So he blew their doctrine out of the water. Man, your sins will be forgiven you. Why? Because the same penalty that forgave them of their sins was the same was the same price that it took for them to be rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. So the same time that he dealt with your sin, he dealt with your physical being. We got to get the church mind out of us. See, in Christ, not in church. I hate to say this, being a pastor, pretty much, see what the 99% of what the church is doing and then do it the other way and you'll come much closer to what he wants. Generally speaking, do find out what the church is doing and go do the opposite. The church is sitting here in the four walls waiting for all the sinners to come to them and say, would you read me my Bill of Rights? Would you, would you take me down the Romans Road? And Jesus never taught that. Huh? He said, well, it, 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 you know, it's not my fault. I taught the Word of God. He said, if they, if they get their faith growing and get it going and, and, and get it excited and get it ignited and get their faith, you know, growing exceeding, they could be healed. Jesus never taught that. You see, if they get their faith growing, they don't need to come back. We say, oh, yeah, you just need to meditate the word and you need to get your faith up to par. They come back and all their hands on you. Their faith up to par. They don't need you no more. They're not coming back. No, we have something to release. We have something to give. We have Peter and John saying, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The man really wasn't even asking for healing. He was asking for money. But Peter said, I got one much better than that. He said, if you'll take what I have, you won't have to be here in the morning doing what you're doing today. Which means God can give you better than what you're asking. You're asking way too low. Huh? You're saying, oh God, would you give me enough money to fix my alternator? God says, I, I, how about a car? <laughs> oh God, could you give me uh, uh, some new used tires? God says, how about a chauffeur? 
Huh? Come on, we gotta pick our height. We gotta pick our eyes up. Hallelujah. You know, you're 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 no stronger. You're no stronger today than the last thing that defeated you. Jesus talked about a mountain in Mark chapter 11. He said, Verily I say unto you, whoever says unto this mountain, mountains for us is mountains in our life. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believe the things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. But when you look at your mountain, do you feel inferior? Do you feel undersized? How big does the mountain look to you? You know, if you have a $3,000 bill to pay and you look in your checkbook and it has $17.43, you feel underfunded. Right? How do you feel about any mountain in your life that's standing there that hasn't gone away? Can you see how big the mountain is? Is that your focus? Or is your focus about greater is he that's in me? Greater is he that's in me. It's, it, it, it's not about that. You say, well, you just need to know who you are. Yeah, you need to know who you are and then forget it. See, because the problem is I've been looking at me too much. Instead of looking at him. Instead of you facing your mountain, let your mountain face Jesus. Let your mountain face Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Zerubbabel was saying, who are you, O great mountain? But you shall be made a molehill. You shall be made plain in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, you got to aim at something. If you aim at nothing, you're never going to be disappointed, but you're never going to get anything. If your goal is nothing, you've already hit it. But if you want to do something, you're going to have to aim at something. Right? It, it, it's okay to take some time to take steady aim, right? But some people never pull the trigger. They say, ready? Aim, aim, aim. 20 years from now, aim, 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 aim. Sometimes you got to pull the trigger. Some people are just trigger happy they never aim. They just shoot off at the mouth. They, they just, if I throw enough mud, we'll see if some of it sticks. No, Jesus spoke to the tree. He said, verily I say unto you. We tell the tree everything the Bible said. Jesus spoke nine words. Nine words, he didn't say anything else. What have you been saying? That's what you're having. Hallelujah. Did you know your body has ears? Every organ of your body has ears. Every tissue, every fiber, every muscle, every tendon of your body has ears. Did you know that? Now you can do what you want to with this. One of the scientists that used to work for Oral Roberts Ministry, medical scientist, did studies and they found and they did several people 
They said people who are born again, and especially those who are filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking other tongues, under research, said their immune system increased 30% when they prayed 30 minutes a day in other tongues. How would you like a boost? Huh? Your immune system can boost, he said, 30% every day just by using prayer language, just, just connecting with him. Hey, 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 hey. That might be a language right there. Right? Might be a language right there. Psalms 2 said, they said, we're going we're gonna to come out to God's people. We're going to cut them in half. We're going to come asunder. God said, you are? Psalms 2 said, he who sits in the heaven, when he heard that, he laughed. He said, you are my people. You're, you're going to do that to my people. And he didn't even respond to him. He just, he just said he just laughed. I, I, I wonder what it sounds like for God to laugh. Huh? Is it one of those late night comedian laughs? Is it a little chuckle? Does it come from the... Is it a belly laugh? Just the pictures on the throne room of all his children begin to fall off. And he goes, ha, 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 ha. Is it deep? Is it high? Is it like a, a tremor, like a, you know, like a, a, a hurricane? Or do you have a, a what? Earthquake, yeah, thank you. Is it like an earthquake and all the tremors in heaven? Just God, just, there he is, he's laughing again, the Father. And when the, and the Father laughs, he's with you, he wants you to laugh. When the Lord tells you a joke, you better laugh. Even if you don't think it's funny. Because someone said it's disrespectful when someone tells you a joke and it's the best one, not to laugh. So God says, you're going to cut my people in half. You, you, you are my people. He, he didn't even say nothing after that. He just, he just laughed. He said, this is hilarious. And just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. You know what the devil's telling you right now? Your situation is going to stay just that way. No, yeah, he is. No, either that, he's going to tell you to stay in the same way or it's going to get worse. You know, because you're getting older or whatever. So our mind, to help us, starts thinking of remedies of how to cope with this. Manage. How do I manage this? How can I cope with this? How can I live with less? Can I just get to retirement somehow? How am I going to live when I get there? How long will I, will I have enough to last? Will my body hold out to get there? Can I work with these people that much longer? These are real things. Now, if you're in the room and you're 12, you're not thinking about this. We get this. You know, some people are trying to figure out how to get through the day. Some people aren't. Some people are living, can I get to the next hour? 
And God never get up from the throne. Oh, he's still laughing. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh-huh. 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 The scripture said laughter is, is the same thing as medicine. But the Holy Bible. Say with me, the Holy Bible. Not, not me. The Holy Bible says when you laugh, God said it's medicine to all your being. People say, well, I, I, I'm having trouble remembering things. Well, good, because you can't remember who did you wrong yesterday, or even what they did, right? Now, people say, I, I, I feel like I'm losing, you know, this may be the very beginning of uh, old-timers, Alzheimer's, right? Setting in. Well, he said, well, then laugh. It's medicine. If you, if you Google these things, we talked about them before, if you Google these things, these are serious clinics that people go to and, and they go to these sessions where sometimes they're just comedians. And they have serious terminal issues, terminal. And they sit there and someone just does funny stuff and they just laugh for 30 minutes to an hour and they pay to go there. And they find out cancer cells die when they're laughing. Why, why continue to take your problem serious? You say it's real. How real is it? Because the scripture said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that your problems all have an expiration date. He said if they can be touched in the arena of the realm of the senses, he said they are, anything that you can see, touch, feel, or taste, he said is all leaving but the things of Christ is eternal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, uh. Some of you, this is kind of hard on you, I can tell. Because you're a good church person. You're trying to figure out where, where, where we are in this service and where it's going. What's, what's he gonna do? I mean, how's this part of the service? Would you forget the service for a moment? Huh? Just pretend like the building disappears and we're in a cow pasture. And we don't know how they're getting electrical sounds out of the grass, but they are. Ha, 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 you're trying to figure, how, how's this going to get fixed? How's it going to change? Huh? R.W. Shambach, he's in heaven now, he said... You don't have any problem. All you need is faith in God. So let's just give a good belly, gut. Uh, now, there's some of you still not with me. Don't make me come back there. Because I'm nice, but I will come get you. Oh, yeah, I will. Paul said, do the work of an evangelist. Total told pastor, there's times I want you to do the work of an evangelist. The spirit of David Dixon can't get on me for just a moment. Not in all things. But I'll come get you. To help you. To help you. 
So all he said was, laughter's like medicine. Paul Youngie Cho, the pastor of the largest church in the world, small church of 800,000 people, 800,000 people. He said, God doesn't really talk to smart people because they're too smart to talk to him. You see, because they, they need to reason everything why this is and why I would do that. It has to be reasonable to them. But see, people just like me got through the 12th grade and cheated the last three years to get out of there. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sometimes it's just easier when we know that, that we can't. I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. I'm not able to do this. I can't fix this thing. I just can't. I can't write that check. I mean, I can, but I mean, he'll pick me up probably. You know, if I write the check or whatever, I don't know how to do this. I mean, two aspirins don't fix that. I mean, vitamin C is not the cure for leukemia. You know what I'm saying? So, so there's the mountain. See, the mountain's not going away. The, the mountain's right there. And, it, and, it, and it's telling you it ain't going nowhere. And the, and the mountain doesn't care if you come to church. The devil don't even care that you came to church. He doesn't care. He don't care if we're going to have a potluck supper Wednesday. He said, eat all the chicken you want. <clears throat> he doesn't care. But I'll tell you what he cares about. He cares, if you ever read a verse like in Psalms 119, verse 89, he said, the word forever is settled in heaven. And God keeps his word. All we need to do now is settle it on earth. So you might as well go ahead and choose to believe something. There ain't no neutral ground here. I'm pulling the rug out. I want you to get in or get out. This is, today's the day. You're either going to get in or you're going to get out. I mean, either you're all in or you're all out. We love you on both sides. But the, the word of God settled in heaven. Now, you, now you've got to settle it. It's like a democracy in one sense where the majority wins. God's for you. The devil's against you. You get to decide and vote. Huh? So the word settled in heaven. Look here. You might as well just go ahead and choose to believe it. Because it's going to say the same thing 20 years from now. How many of you got a Bible? You can go put it in a suitcase and bear it 15 feet in the earth. 40 years from now, if you're alive, dig it up. And it's going to say the same thing. It ain't going to change. It's not going to change one verse or one chapter. It's going to say the same thing it said before you buried it. So you might as well decide, which side am I on? Are you going to be like Joshua, who just says, look, we did y'all's thing. We walked around in a circle for 40 years. Oh, God did things, and, you know, and the clothes grew. And it was all amazing. Water came out of the rock. But the thing is, we still walk in the circle for 40 years. Now, because of y'all, I'm 85 years old. But I'm just as strong today as I was back then. So give me that mountain. 
I know what to do with that mountain. You see, your mountain needs to hear your voice. Don't tell your mountain what God can do. That don't mean nothing. God can do anything ain't worth 15 cents of nothing. The Bible says the devils know that and they tremble. Your mountain needs to know what you believe. The spirit of faith says, I believe that and I, now I'm speaking something. Let me tell you what I believe. Uh, so sometimes all you need to do is just laugh. Everybody can laugh differently. If, you, if I give everybody in here a paper clip, give you a paper clip, and every one of you sticks that paper clip in one of these little electrical boxes in the wall, we're all going to feel something. Now, how you react is all going to be different. Some of you are going to say something. Hopefully it won't be some of that old man talk come out. Some of you might shout in tongues. Some of you may cry. Some of you may fall down. Some of you may run. I don't know. But it's going to get a response. If you grab a 220, some of you may die. Other you may live. But you're not just going to sit there like some of you don't church now. You grab a 220, we're going to get a response. Regardless of your personality. You say, well, I'm more subdued. You ain't subdued touching no 220. Uh-uh. I don't want to hear that. You touch a 220, we're going to get a reaction. Just lick it and see if it get, see if it's live. All right, so you've already tried the non-radical side. Why don't you just get up here and get radical for a little while? If you get radical enough, you won't even have to go get your teeth cleaned for two years. All the plaque and everything just fall off of them. Woo! Hallelujah. Make it come out of down here. <laughs> See, there you go in your mind again. Slip right back in your mind. It's like a rut. You come off the road. Well, I don't mind going down and preaching in the rut sometime, but I'm tired of preaching in the rut. Come, come back up on the road. <laughs> you say, why are you doing this? Well, he says like medicine. I had a few places that didn't feel good this morning, so I'm just taking medicine. Hallelujah. Did, someone said, don't you know this may offend people? Yeah. Most people I know need to be offended. Because they don't believe. They're just, they're just religious. They want to talk about the revival of 1947. This ain't 1947, baby. Huh? Hallelujah. And here's the question. How come you always need reviving? You see, if you'd lived the life of Christ, you wouldn't always need someone to revive you. 
I'm not against revival, but you know, just always blowing up a tire that's always got a leak in it. Why don't we just get a tire, get it fixed or something? Y'all happy? Y'all happy? Just tell, tell somebody, say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right, y'all. Amen. That's good. Amen. Thank y'all. Praise God. You can be seated. Watch here. Now, we're going to do everything this morning by the Holy Ghost in His order. So you can get healed any time. You don't need me to lay hands on you. We might, we might have you lay hands on them. Hallelujah. I mean, you, you think about those people that let down that man we talked about from the roof. Who's it? Mark Hakins said, uh, when, you know, when Jesus saw him come down, of course, you got to go back to Luke chapter 5. It, it, says, it said Jesus was teaching many things it was his house, but that doesn't really matter. Jesus was teaching there was no way to get in the house. So th this man was determined he was going to get to Jesus and get healed, but he's paralyzed. So he had four friends on a cot take the tiling out of the roof and let him down. Y'all know the story? Yes, Not going there? And when Jesus saw him, <clears throat> he said he saw their faith. He's taking tiling off the roof to get to him. He, he, he said, I see faith. What does he see when he sees you? Order? Being churchy? That, that, that's kind of radical. I mean, can, can you imagine going to a meeting and, and just tearing somebody's roof off to get in the building? I mean, it's like, that's kind of radical, isn't it? Did you know it's in the, that's in the Bible now? <laughs> it, it, it's in the Bible. You, you, you remember when Peter was in prison, they'd already killed James? And the disciples was praying for Peter, for his life to be saved. And then the angel came and got Peter out of the prison. Remember that? Yes. Then he went to the house where they were praying, knocked on the door, and they, and they came. And the girl went in the back room to tell the rest of the disciples, and uh, they said, Peter's knocking at the door. Peter's at the front of the door. <clears throat> Scripture, they couldn't even believe it. They're, they're praying for his deliverance, and they get it, and they can't believe it. That's right. That's right. Sound like church to you? Yep. Yeah. Huh? So we just fall back, and God can do anything. Well, that ain't worth nothing. But once again, the Scripture says the devil knows that, and he, tr and he trembles. Yes. Right? Yeah. So what's he going to do? He said in you, he's poured all the treasure in heaven and he put it in an earth vessel. Amen. Who's the earthen vessel? You are. So he put all the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and he put it in a man's suit, in a woman's suit. Amen. So we tell people, don't look at us. Now, now take this right in the spirit, I'm going to say it. Don't, don't, don't make it something I'm not saying. People say, well... You get ready to pray for them and say, <clears throat> you, you, you believe we get you healed? Well, no, I know you can't, but, you know, God can. I said, well, then what'd you come up here for? <laughs> because if God can, he, he could just do it back there where you're sitting. I mean, well, why'd you come see me? Exactly. Exactly. Amen. I mean, well, I mean well, 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 why'd you get in the line? Because if, if, if God can do it, see, it, it's, it's Christ in us working together. Amen. 
John G. Lake would get ready to minister and he would go look in the, the mirror before he preached it. And he said, is it possible, looking in the mirror, that in this suit of clothes lives a Holy Ghost? You know, just, just talks about lives a God. Peter and them began to see what this life of God would do. To the place to where they, he would go down the street. And it was heard and said that if Peter's shadow fell on you, you could get healed. Amen. You been in one of them services lately? I, I hadn't. Huh? We got some people trying, you know, the handkerchiefs, sending handkerchiefs all over. One man wrote another one. He said, my, in another country, he said, my whole family's sick and I, a handkerchief ain't going to do it. He sent his best breath. <laughs> I wanted the man of God to sleep in it, roll up and down it and put it in UPS, send it off. Hallelujah. But isn't that kind of amazing that the power of God could store up in cloth? I mean, think about it. I mean, that, how, how many of you believe that? It's in the scripture. So see, y'all believe some radical stuff anyway. Right? The power of God stores up in a handkerchief. How does it do that? But see, if we have to explain all this logically to your brain for you to accept it, then, then how will you ever be saved? Exactly. How many are you born again? You know you are. You're going to heaven one day. Show, show me your membership card. <laughs> I, I need to see it. Heaven send yours yet to you. Hang on. Faith in God. Huh? How many physically you've seen heaven? How many physically seen Jesus? The Father. Angels. And, and, you, and, you're, and you believe in heaven? And you haven't seen anything? Well, this ought to be easy. You know, the, the easiest thing for a believer to do is what? And the easiest thing for a doubter to do is doubt. You know, what do painters do? What do believers do? So what do, you, what, what, what do we have to lose by believing? Like, remember what you always said? He said you already got the problem. One thing you stand to lose by believing is the problem. <laughs> That's deep in it. Deep. First Peter, if you will. Y'all doing okay? Y'all don't mind if I just preach a little bit this morning? Just, I mean, a small time. Does anyone need a two-hour sermon? First Peter 1, verse 6. I'm glad that y'all are here. I apologize for my voice. I was teaching Carter how to scream for games last night. And some of us wasn't. I didn't know it would affect my voice that way. <clears throat> he has to properly understand as a three-year-old when the roll tide, roll tide scores, this is how you... Because if they don't start playing better, they won't be many more times ever uh, scream. Anyway, <clears throat> First Peter 1. Six. <clears throat> you find it? What does it say? Verse six. One, two, three. Read. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. Real strong here, isn't it? Oh, different translations. King Jimmy, right there. King Jimmy. King. Huh? 
King Jimmy Varner. Uh, KG. Wherein what? Greatly rejoice. So if you, if you have temptations and they're heavy, right? How long are they going to last? So it's for a season. What do you do if you're in the season? Do you just rejoice? You don't just rejoice, do you? You do what? What does that mean? I just wonder what it meant. I just. Well, let's keep on reading. <clears throat> that the trial of your faith being more precious than that of gold perishes, though it be tried to fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, and you, we just talked about, have you seen him? Whom having not seen, you love, and whom, though now ye see him not, Yet you're what? You're believing. And what do we do? Rejoice with joy unspeakable. And that'll be what? Full of glory. Now, you don't ever stop reading right there. Don't never cut off verse 9. The instruction is to receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. How many of the, some things that you're believing for you haven't seen yet? Four of us. Eight of us. Thank you. Y'all work with me now, right? Hallelujah. So if we're not at the end of our faith, what do we need to do? Keep going. Keep going. Right? I like to say it this way. Faith has a beginning. Faith has a middle. Faith has an end. Receiving the end of your faith. Maybe you're in the beginning, maybe you're in the middle, I don't know. Maybe something has come and it's come to steal your joy. Something or maybe someone, right? The bridge between believing and receiving, the bridge between you believe that you receive and the manifestation, the spasm of the bridge between those two divides is the bridge of joy. You gotta cross the bridge of joy from I believe I have received into the manifestation of it. Amen. The door to the supernatural has one knob and it's on your side. Now watch here where we're going. Same chapter, 18th verse. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation. Not redeemed with natural things, corruptible things. From your vain conversation, received by tradition from your elders. But how were you redeemed? By the precious blood of of Christ, as of a lamb, Jesus, without blemish and without spot. Huh? Verse 23 says, born again, not of a corruptible seed, but you're born of an incorruptible seed 
by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. He says, all flesh, all people are the same as grass, and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass, 24. The grass withers and the flower withers. There are falleth away, but verse 25, but the word of the Lord will do what? It will endure forever. And this is the word by which, by the gospel is preached unto you. Chapter 2, verse 21. 1 Peter 2, 21. For even hereunto are you called, because Christ awful, he also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who did to my Jesus? He did, he did not sin. There was not guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. And when he was suffered, he threatened them not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. To my, the Father. Verse 24. Who his own self. See that? Now, I, I, this is simple, but just make sure. Now, who his own self. We're talking about who? Jesus. Who his own self bore your sins. Your sins was born, but they were born in what? His body. Right? On the tree or on the cross. <clears throat> that we, someone say me. Being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. When, when was we healed? Is were in the future? Is were now? Is were past tense? So if I were healed, past tense, and when was I healed? When Jesus was on a tree. When did it become mine? Legally, the, the legal part became yours 2,000 years ago. The vital part of it becomes yours when you receive that and you accept it by faith. Amen. And you declare it. Amen. Jesus is doing nothing to heal people anymore. God's not healing anybody anymore. God's doing nothing about people's healings anymore. Well, let's get a prayer chain. Why? You say you don't like them chains, do you? No, I'm not against the theory of it. It's just, it's just it, I'm not against a bunch of people praying. Why would you be against people praying? But if, if we don't fix the mindset of that, the, the mindset is we got a serious problem. We need a lot of Christians on this. Why? Because, why? see, you know, uh, I just like to stay with the Word. I can't find anything in the scripture that takes more than two people to get. And to be honest with you, I can't find anything that sometimes even takes two. I've been in situations I couldn't find nobody to believe with, agree with. I mean, God didn't know them. I, I didn't have access to them at the moment. And does the Holy Ghost live in you? Yes. Well, if it's the Word, I know He agrees because He's the author of it. And he's going to believe better than most people that you know. <laughs> like all of them. 
right? So you can get a chain together if you want to. <clears throat> and they might, they might fill in that slot three in the morning. Ooh, but I wouldn't be putting a lot of weight on that. Because how did you do at three o'clock this morning? You might have still been dusting off the, uh, snoring off the dust off the blinds. I don't know. I just, you know, people have a physical body, right? So, that, so the idea is we just get people doing these things, and, the, and it was, it's like a large petition to get God's attention. See, I, I think that's an affront to God. You know, Jesus knew why he went to the whipping post. So you mean it takes that and what you're going to buy in, what, in this chain? Could you imagine going to the whipping post? Did you see Passion of the Christ? Yes. How many of y'all saw Passion of the Christ? I think it, it might just be an affront to say he, he can heal. Yes. I went through that for y'all to be healed, and you're telling me I can? What, what did he do? See, when you say he can, that means he may not. Right? So, so the word's going to say what it's going to say we said 20 years from now, 100 years from now, right? It's not going to change. You say, well, God's sovereign, do what he wants to. Really? We, we, we know he's sovereign. He is sovereign. Employees, the, the employer doesn't always share with the employees everything going on in the company. He said, with everything the Father's given me, I've given you. I call you friends. In other words, I'm holding nothing back. Paul said, if it's profitable to you, I taught you. That's right. Right. So you're not, a, you're, you're not a servant. You can have a servant's heart and should have a servant's heart, but you've been made son and daughter. That's right. And, you, and he came to redeem you that was under the law. So you're not under the law. Amen. You're under grace. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you're no longer a servant but a son and a son. And if you're a son, then you're a what? You're an heir of God. Sonship and an heir of God through Christ. Glory to God. Galatians chapter 3, y'all ready? Galatians chapter 3. Verse 11. No man is justified. No man, woman, boy, or child is ever justified by the law or keeping of the law. That's what it's talking about. No one here this morning, no one in the world, no one, no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident that just shall live by faith. Now watch here. Because you can read these things for years, read over and never see them. Verse 12, you see it? The law, the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments is not faith. Thou shalt not steal. That's not faith. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's not faith. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not, that is not faith. Thou shalt not bear false witness. That is not faith. Now, if you're religious, I just made you mad <laughs> while I was reading to you the Bible. <laughs> the law is not a faith. But the man that doeth them shall live by them. In other words, he's, if, if there's a man and he's going to live in the system of doing them, watch it. Christ came to redeem you from the curse of the law. Now, let's, let's clean that up a little bit. Is the law bad? The law is good. The law is God's righteous, holy standard. It's God's idea of holiness. 
And he came and he brought it because of the sinfulness of man's heart to show them their condition. Because they thought they were pretty good. And they told Moses, they said, just tell God to give us some laws because we think we can keep them. God said, you don't want that. They said, yeah, just, just, just give us some laws. Don't just let it be good to us like a, you know, like a great-grandparent or grandparent to the kids. You know, because great, you know, grandparents and great-grandparents, you know, I know the parents don't like it, but we already said no. We, we done done the switches and the belts and all that. We threw that. So you bring them to us, we're going to give them what they want, and then we're going to send them home to you and you fix them. <laughs> and that's just, that's just how it works. That's how it works. It doesn't even mean it's right. It's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. <laughs> when, when, you know, we, we had four, and I, and I was work all day, and my wife was home with four, and, and, and she had been threatening them all day long when, when Daddy gets home. <laughs> as soon as I walked in the door, she wanted me to beat all of them. I was like, <laughs> I didn't even say hi yet. <laughs> They're in the back room, and I told them as soon as you got here. I was like, Wow. But see, she'd been there all day long. My mother didn't wait on nobody to get home. <laughs> My mama didn't need no help. <laughs> she was the help. <laughs> didn't need no help from no one. <clears throat> Amen. But if she hadn't done that, my brothers and sisters probably would have turned out to be a mess. Because I was in my, in my room reading my Bible all the time. <laughs> but you, you only get one like that every now and then. So, <clears throat> so the law is not of faith. And look at verse 13. Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law. Now, the law has three parts to it. The law has three parts. Many things can be said about the law. I mean, the Ten Commandments. Then there's 613 more commandments. And they, and, they, and they range from, wow, most times they're called ceremonial type laws. A lot of them was just, you know, you can't do this, and on the Sabbath day you can't do any type of work, or you can only walk even so many steps. You know, you had to keep up with how many steps you've taken that day. Or diet, things that you can't eat on the Sabbath day. And, you know, and I know I've already said this before, but, it, but it's one of the laws. I mean, you, you couldn't even have a bowel movement on the Sabbath. True. One, it's one of the commandments. Which, if it is, it is. But I just think you better really mon don't eat fiber the day before in two, two days. Just, because you're going to break the law. But it, it is. It's one of the 613. And so the purpose of it was God to show man their condition. For it to be so utterly like... We can't do that, and that was the point. He was supposed to. You supposed to say, "I can't do that." And and the quicker you came to that realization, so you would ask for help, and your help was Jesus. Okay. Huh? Amen. Now people say, "Well, we don't need the law anymore because the law is fulfilled." The law is fulfilled, and and, and Timothy tells us the law is not for the believers, for the unbeliever. In other words, the, the law is supposed to still tell an unbeliever, this is how holy God is, and you and they look at it, and they, and they look at themselves, and they look. at Wow, I'm not that person. Because if you ask a lot of unbelievers, just a question like this, and you know this, you've done this hundreds of times. Uh, if Jesus were to come, do you believe you go to heaven? 
you know, if the world was to end day, do you believe you'd go to heaven? And a lot of them will say, yeah, I think so. And then you'll say, well, that's great. Why would you say that? And then they'll say something like this. I'm a pretty good person. Right? Have you heard that like so many times? So many times just, just so many times. Because I'm a pretty good person. And that's the basis of their salvation. I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, I've, t- I've told this before, but I, I, I remember the two people. One, one told me, he said, uh, well, I'm, he said I, I give blood like three or four times a year. <laughs> hey, now you talk about the blood of Jesus. He, he gives blood. <laughs> he said, matter of fact, just like two weeks ago, he said, I, I gave blood to the Red Cross. He said, yeah, I think I'd go. The other one told me, I mean, I was slow to catch on. The true story, they said, well, sure, I'll go. I'm an American. <clears throat> they lost me. I was like, huh? Now I said, no, if Jesus were to come tonight, would you, would you go to heaven? They said, yeah, I heard you. And I think I would. I said, but I don't understand why. Because I'm an American. I think, what about the Russians? You know, but anyway, no. I said, well, I don't understand. He said, man, this is a Christian nation. A Christian nation. Have you watched this political process? <laughs> so that was their belief for why they would go. Because this is, I'm a Christian. It's a Christian nation. Christians go to heaven. That is messed up, isn't it? So, <clears throat> so we're not under the law. He came to redeem us from the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. But the law still has a purpose. It's to show man all the condition. Right? I mean, if, if you can't tell a person who's sick they're sick, they're not going to the doctor. Right? Because I don't need a doctor. Just like men. We're, we don't need directions. We don't, we don't need asking one how to get somewhere. We, 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 kinda, we know where we are. Yeah. Men don't need directions. We know where we are. Right? Especially now that we got our smartphone. Mine, I call mine Esther. I don't know why. I just give her an address and I just put her down. And then she just lays there and don't talk. And says, That's good. <laughs> then right before I get to... When I need to know something, she talks again. When I, when I need to know something. Yeah. Because you ever been driving, and all of a sudden somebody goes, ah! and, it's like, and, 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 and what they saw they need to tell me about wasn't as bad as they're screaming at me to tell about it. I mean, I'm having trouble now for you screaming at me instead of what you think I didn't see. Ever happened to anyone other than me? Stop it already, right? So Esther just talks, and she pretty well can get you there. Amen. Now, uh, Deuteronomy 28. I'm going to have to cut my lesson short. It's our time. Deuteronomy 28. Be okay if I go just a little bit short this morning? I never met anyone made mad at a preacher for going short. That's right. Glory to God. So here's the here's the basis of the law, Deuteronomy twenty eight. Well you, you can get a lot of good sermons out of Deuteronomy twenty eight. If you preach the first fifteen verses. 
You can sell some tape series. I'm talking about they'll fly off the table if you preach in them first 15 verses. But when you get on past uh, 15, don't run too many on the table because no one wants to pay for it. It starts off, curse you'll be in the city, curse you'll be in the city, curse you feel, curse, 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 curse. Because they already feel like they're there, right? But the first, the first 15 chapters talks about if you do this and if you do that and if you act good and you do good. In other words, do good and you'll get good. Do bad and you're going to get bad. But that's kind of the way we was always raised, right? I mean, do right, be all right, do bad. Yeah. We, uh, someone, who was it? Uh, Oh, Lexi's class. Now, now the, what, uh, the, is this the way this school level where if your child needs discipline in school, you have to give your permission whether they do it or they'll tell you about it and you do it. Do you give them the permission? When, when, I mean, when I was in school, they, they didn't send no such letter at home. <laughs> if you'd have had Miss Eunice Mann from third grade, she didn't need to ask your mama. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I told Miss Eunice Mims. Because it was raining and we couldn't go outside, and she said, "Well, today we're going we're going to square dance." And I thought, "We're going to dance." She said, "All you boys," she said, "Get you a girl partner." And I thought, "You know, I still girls like Bleh. third grade." I got over that, but anyway, but third grade, <laughs> I didn't want to dance. I wanted to go play ball, but it was raining. And she says, "All you, all right, y'all pair off and get your girl. We're going to learn how to square dance." So I, you know, I'm I'm a little macho three year old or third grader, and I said. She said, uh, Eric, she says, uh, who's your partner? I said, I'm, I'm not going to dance. <laughs> she said, you're, you, uh, you're not going to what? I said, I, I, I don't dance. I'm not, I'm not dancing. I said, that's sissy. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me it was. I'm, in th- I mean, I'm just telling you what it was. <clears throat> she said, come on, baby. I said, ma'am, she said, come on. She didn't call my mama. She didn't call the principal. She didn't call the one to see if anyone had a witness about it. She reached, in, she reached into her desk. She picked out a board. She didn't counsel me. She come outside and she says, um, when I tell you that we're going to do something, we're going to do it. And I tell you to do something, you're going to do it. She said, we're going to square dance. And I, and I said, yes, ma'am. And, uh, and she said, don't you ever do that in my class again. And then she, uh, she got me by the right hand, and she started wailing into me. And we was going in a circle, and, and I was learning how to dance. Right there. <laughs> Except my dance had a shout to it. <laughs> well, one more time, please. <laughs> no, I, I didn't show all my moves in one service. When I went out the door, I was a macho little three, a three, a third grader. When I walked inside, I was a dancing fool. <laughs> so if you did good, if you did good, you you see you got good, right? So the law had three parts to it. The blessing or the curse was in poverty. So you, you, uh, the curse. When it came upon someone, it would, it, it would deal with their, their well-being in a sense of wealth, poverty, 
uh, it, it had to do with spiritual death. And of course, it had a lot to do with sickness. A lot to do with sickness. So he, God explicitly told them in verse 16 what would happen to them if they didn't keep the law. He says, so y'all want some laws? Oh yeah, we think we can keep them. You, you don't. Oh yeah, just give us laws. We won't, we won't be like other people. You just, you just tell us what it is. I'm sure we can do it. He says, okay, here they come. So the, so the laws came from an angel to Moses on a stone and to the people. And when they came to him, they saw they were already out of bounds and couldn't keep it. Now, so it, we know about the blessed, the blessed in the city and blessed in the field and blessed all that. But then he says, but if you don't keep these commandments, he talks about all the curses. Now, uh, can you hold your hand right there, Deuteronomy 28, and real quickly. We were there, but I forgot to read it. And I think we can do this in three minutes. Really can. Galatians 3, verse 13. Maybe I read it, but I need to read it again. Galatians 3, 13. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Right. right? Okay. So he's talking about Deuteronomy 28. Okay. Being made a curse for us, for his written curses, everyone who hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise, right? Verse 29 of, the, of Galatians chapter 3 says, and if, you, and if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and your heir according to the promise. So Christ, he absorbed the penalty of the sin. He absorbed all the sickness. He absorbed all the shame. He absorbed all lack into himself. He did nothing. He did not sin. He was righteous. But he absorbed all the failure. He absorbed it. He redeemed you from the penalty of your sin. So he said, I have redeemed you from the curse of the law. So if you want to read about the curses today when you go home, just, you know, if you just want to read them, they're, the, they're there. There's several of them there. But y'all got your shouting clothes on? I give you a few of them, just just a few little curses. We'll start fifty nine. The Lord will make the He'll make the plagues wonderful. He'll make the plagues of your seed, verse fifty nine, even great plagues, and they'll have long continuance. And you'll have sore sickness and of a long countenance. Moreover, He will bring thee all the diseases of Egypt which you were afraid of, and they shall cleave to you. Everything that came on Egypt is going to come on you, and they're going to stay there a long time. But now, we're, we're redeemed from these curses. So according to, according to, the, according to the Scripture in Galatians 3.13, in many places, but for sake of time, all we, all we need is Galatians chapter 3. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. You're redeemed from poverty, from lack, yeah. from spiritual death, mm -hmm. and from all the sicknesses that are contained in this book. Right. Now, if you read verse 16 to up, you'll see all the sicknesses and plagues that would come upon them. But God said that not only those sicknesses, 
Look at verse 61. Not only the ones I'm, he listed in black and white. Verse 61. And er, also every sickness, every plague, which is not even written in the book of the law, the Lord's going to bring upon you until, you until you're destroyed. Now, don't, don't raise your hand, but if you're here this morning and you have some type of physical or emotional situation, financial situation, if you have something the doctors can name, if you have something that, that takes a prescription, I don't care if you manage it or not, it's a curse of the law. You say, but this is a, a known new disease. It, it, nothing's new to God. Right? He's not the author of it. Some say, well, I think he might have gave us to me and teach me something. He didn't. Sickness is not the teacher of the church. Thank you. The Holy Ghost is. God does not need the teacher of cancer to teach. God does not teach his people with leukemia. And we call him good. Would you do that with your children? To teach them something? Now, we could learn something in there, right? Because it might push us to read the Bible. But you could have read the Bible without it being pushed. Exactly. Say law, think about that, bro. Right? So he says every sickness that's not even specified, he said, will come upon you. So whatever you might deal with in your body right now, or in your mind, whatever, it's included here. It has already been judged, and you've been redeemed from it. So you, you, you ought to take that verse and personalize it. And you, and you ought to say, to, according to Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed me from high blood pressure. Right? From leukemia, from cancer, from whatever, from bad whatever. Your heart's bad, your kidneys are bad, whatever. Well, Christ has redeemed me from the curse, the penalty of the law being made a curse for me, who his own self bore my sin in his body on a tree, that by his stripes I am healed and I am redeemed from any type of sickness and any type of disease, anything malady that's going on in my physical being and mental being. Any sickness and every sickness I have been redeemed from. See, so it's listed right there. And, and many things that people deal with is lifted in the 16 verses here, including nimrods. You say, what's a nimrod? It's a hemorrhoid. <laughs> Hemorrhoids are listed in the first 16 verses. But the Lord said, if you get these, he said, preparation H won't help you at all. So quickly, you want to get to that 61st verse. Huh? Because there's no help to get the 61st verse. Every sickness, every disease that come on mankind, he said, you have been redeemed from through Christ. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Huh? The, the word's settled. Amen. Now you have to settle it on earth. Now we're going to get into some specifics of this Wednesday night. And then we're going to talk. Uh, we got three more videos on our. Revelation series, end times. So we'll have one off, one off, one on, one off, one on, one off. And it'll, we'll be through before October's over. Because we're about to get into the millennium. 
and what we're going to be doing for a thousand years when we're here when the devil's chained up for a thousand years. Amen. And his mama. They're going to chain the devil and his mama. Amen. God is good. Isn't it good to be healed? Saved, delivered? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Did you get what you needed? Hallelujah. Now, there's something there for everyone. You know, sometimes when you're 20 years old, you don't even know you have a body. 30, sometimes you like it. But you will eventually. You know, I'm not saying you're old. I'm just saying eventually, you know, the, you know our, our bodies do age, and they need help. And, and our God is so good, he provided help. Huh? He knows how to turn the clock backwards, so to speak. He can take it back before the injury ever occurred. He can take damage that, that was ever done, right? That's called restoration. Hallelujah. He can take and turn it backwards because it has no right there. See, the, the devil only respects authority. He does. And if you don't know your authority, he's going to ramrod whatever he wants to into your life. But when you know what belongs to you, huh? Doesn't matter what the situation is. How big's the mountain? It's all right, I got the check. Right? You can write the check. Doesn't matter how big the mountain is. So you need to change what you're seeing sometimes when you see the mountain. You say, what am I going to do? When you're at that place, you're on the wrong side of it. Huh? Jesus says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, cast in the sea, don't doubt it in his heart. So faith has to be in the mouth, but it has to be in the heart. And the problem is most time, even word people, they have only had it in one place. They've had it in the memory and they're coming out of the mouth, but it's not really in their heart. So it has to be something in your heart that comes out of your mouth. It has to be something that you've absorbed. It's become yours. Then it comes out of your mouth. It's not, it's not mimicking and it's not an echo. It has to be a voice. Right? You know, Pastor Buzzy, you say it this way. Something to this order. He said, the reason why I know it's mine and this healing's mine, he says, because nothing else makes sense to me. He said, well, nothing else makes sense to you but the promise of the Word of God. He said, it's yours to take. The doctor says, yeah, but you only got, you say, yeah, I hear you, I appreciate that, but, but, he said, but that don't make sense because I, I appreciate it. I understand you're, you're telling me medically. I, I, the x-rays, nice, beautiful picture. I, I understand it. But it still says this. And you're like me. They scooped up some dirt and whatever. So, and I appreciate that. <laughs> but, but the man who made the dirt said this. So I, I know that's a fact. But this is the truth. And truth always trumps. Not Clinton. Uh, truth uh, tr always trumps what? Facts. Right? We're not, we're, we're not denying that it's on the x-ray. We're not denying that we feel it in our body. 
What we're denying is the right for it to exist and stay in the temple of the Holy Ghost. Because your body is the temple and the property of God. And when sickness and disease comes upon you, it is an unholy invader come to live in your body. It's demonic and devilish, and you ought to run it out in the name of Jesus and say, this is the property of God. Get out of here. And you ought to put a no trespassing sign all in you and around you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I mean, and, and, and a lot of times we bring things on ourselves. Done things we shouldn't have done. Ate wrong for 40 years. Whatever. But, but people make mistakes all the time. Jonah, Jonah didn't do what God told him to do, right? And he got himself in a whale of a lot of trouble. <laughs> he did, right? But he, but he was ready to repent. And I love it what Jonah said. He got his mind right and he said, I'm ready to go to Nineveh. He said, and he, he's inside the whale for three days and he said, he said, he saw all this right here. He said, this ain't nothing but lying vanities. Really? I mean, you're inside of a whale and say, nah, I ain't, I ain't really in here. <laughs> he called this lying vanities wow. inside a big fish. You ever thought about that? Lying vanities. As soon as he got his mind right and repented of that, the whale had a bellyache. Boy, I, I, I bet he was a mess. He's having to clean his ears out and some Q-tips. I mean, just, I bet you ain't never seen no one so ready to get to Nineveh. As John is. We're, we're, we're in Nineveh. You got to tell me twice. Hallelujah. So even if we got, even if we got there, it can be undone. It can be fixed. Hallelujah. They said, well, if you hadn't done this, yeah, but I did. What are we going to do from here? Most of our problems are self-imposed. Everyone over 40 knows that. Everyone under 40 is still denying it. It's their, it's their fault. Well, no, it's, we, we, we had a part in it, right? Right? Might as well just get over it and don't condemn yourself and say, Lord, thank God you're a God of mercy. I thank you, Lord, for mercy. You know, mercy got a lot of people healed and compassion. It got a lot of people healed. When, when their faith was all messed up, Right? And that's why the church, I mean, that's what I'm so concerned with is the church saying, well, it ain't my fault. I preach the word to them. They have to get their faith up. Why? Jesus never said, you know, go sit in one of my faith seminars. He never said, get your faith up and then come back to me. Because, you know, if they get their faith up, they don't need to come back to you. They already got it. He took all of them, the good cases and the bad cases. Hallelujah. And that's what's in you. That treasure's in you. And you're ready to touch the world with it. You ought to be a world overcomer and a world shaker for, for Jesus. Don't wait for a preacher to do it. You're, you're the preacher. You're the voice. Well, yeah, but that, that's not my call. Yes, it is. Some say, well, I, I'm not a soul winner. Well, Jesus was. See, all these people that say, well, I ain't really called to do that. Well, if, if Jesus was called to win souls, I know you are. Right? Well, that's not my ministry. Well, you're wrong. It is. You're called to tell people about the goodness of God. You're called to do that. And you've got so much, you've got all this wealth in you. All this wealth in you. All this wealth in you that, that the world needs to hear. All you got to do is go out and spread it out. So you're, you're just like fertilizer. But the Christians, they want, they, they want to sit there and go to, go to the co-op store and get 200 bags of fertilizer and put it on 100 square foot of, of grass. 
Man, you put a you put a thousand pounds of of triple thirteen on a hundred, you know, just a little ten by ten. You're gonna burn the oh man, Miss Tyler, what's gonna happen? You put a thousand pounds of triple thirteen in a ten by ten circle. Is that gonna burn it up? I mean, uh, are we even wondering about that? Are we sure that it's gonna burn it up? But the Christians just all want to pile in the door and say, "Oh no, God, we just need more." And the whole time he's trying to put you in the fertilizer spray. <laughs> he's trying to get you out there because of what you have in you. Yeah. And we're just like, we just need more God. We need more God. We need, now we need a joy revival. And Lord, just let the pastor teach us how to, how to believe God for a bedroom suit. Sweet. Oh, Lord. He, he covered the, we, we got the new den suit now. now. Now we need to get upstairs and get that done. Oh, thank you, Lord. Better car, better car, better car, better car. Better car. And the Lord ain't against the bedroom suite and, and a better car. But that's not what he died for. Church, so that's why I'm having to say you, you almost have to go the opposite route of the church. Because it's not kingdom, it's church. And Jesus didn't come to build a castle, come to build a kingdom. This is kingdom business. And the kingdom's in you. Amen. And I'm through. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Anyone happy? You still got a hee hee in you? And a ho ho? And a ha ha? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, you're, see, now we're just ready to take off from here. See, that's the problem. We, you come in, you got to get some of this stuff off of you. Now, now you're just ready to. Now, if I were to come in at this place and we start service, and, we, and I said, you know, the devil was just telling me y'all ain't going to make it. <laughs> see how? It's like you're not, not, now you're there. You like the airplane, you're on a taxi, you're already. See what I'm saying? Hallelujah. So we're just going to stay here for four more hours. Call and get some pizzas in, okay? Hallelujah. Now we're through. Glory to God. Go tell the story. You got a good story. Amen. Just, just, just release the glory in you, release the Jesus in you. You say, well, I don't know if I can do that. I, I just spent an hour telling you could. I just read you. The, I read you the Bible. What more? Would it help you if I read you the Reader's Digest to solidify it? Car and driver said, "Well, right. Just just go out there and just and, and he'll give you the words." You say, "Well, I don't have the money to get started." I know you don't because you ain't started. Uh, you know how many people's hung up? I can't go to another nation. I can't even get to the power bill to pay the bill. I, I know you can't. And you're not ever going to go to the nation. And you're not ever going to build it. Why? Because you won't start. Well, I can't lose 50 pounds. I know. Because you ain't started. Right? See, I mean, you don't lose 50 pounds overnight. That, that's that's kind of unhealthy, probably. In one night, right? But you've got to get started one night. I mean, I just told that ice cream last night. I said, no, I'm not eating that whole carton. <laughs> I did. I told the ice cream. I said, I'm not eating that, I'm not eating that whole carton. I'm going to have one big bowl. And that's it. See, you just get started one night. It was like, I'm freezing this freezer. Get me out of here. And I was like, no. I'm getting one big bowl and putting you back in there. That's right. <laughs> See, I'm trying to teach you how to do this thing. Hallelujah. 
All right. I, I, you're really dismissed. Hallelujah. Glory to God.